So it's really good to see everybody. Uh, we want to go ahead and start by opening with a word of prayer. Our class is going to be on prayer today, so it would be appropriate that we open with prayer and ask God to prepare our hearts. And, uh, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many privileges and the joys that you pour upon our lives. We thank you for uh, both the, the sun and the rain, uh, the uh, blessings and the tribulations. All of it is from you uh, so that we might trust in you more and more. We thank you for the food that was provided for us today for this lunch. Uh, we, we thank you for the health that we have in our bodies. And we just ask you, Lord, to be with us now as we seek to know you more through the study of your word. And so please, Holy Spirit, be with us now. Open our ears and our minds and our eyes and our lives to these truths. Please help us to receive them, help us to believe them, and help us to have the willingness uh, uh, to uh, practice them in our own lives and share them with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I thought what we would do, our class is uh, a a teaching of the life of Christ through a harmony of the Gospels. And we have been focusing the last couple weeks on the subject of prayer. And so we have been using Luke chapter 11 as our text. But what I thought we would do since we're doing a harmony of the Gospels, let's jump back to the book of Matthew and look at Matthew chapter 6. Um, And we're going to read the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Um, anybody else need a Bible? Yes, sir. Okay. There you go. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses. Um, verses 9 uh, through uh, 15. All right? So this is our text for today, and then we're going to get into our catechism uh, and our, our, question, our catechism questions. So our text is... Uh, Jesus uh, is teaching his disciples to pray. It says, Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have uh, forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgression. And so Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, and he gave them this outline, right? This is basically a structure of a proper prayer. Uh, so what do I mean by that? What do I mean by saying it's a structure of a proper prayer? It's actually a proper prayer to pray, but it is also a structure of proper prayer. What do I mean by that? Like okay, it's a model. It's, a, it's an illustration of the things that we should be praying when we pray. We recognize that God is in heaven. We're here on earth and that the answers for our prayers come from him. Right, We recognize that He is a holy, holy, holy God. And the only way that we can approach Him is through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and through the intercession of who? Jesus. Jesus, all right? So Jesus is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit is the mediator. And so when we pray, we're praying in a Trinitarian fashion, aren't we? Who are we praying to? The Father. Son, Holy Spirit. Through the Son. By the Holy Spirit. Spirit. To the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. And so, um, your kingdom come. We've talked about this over and over in our class. 
what is it? What is the kingdom of God? Everything. Everything is the kingdom of God, right? It's the king's domain. Remember, we broke it down. We took that word and split it in half. The king's domain. The king is the one who rules, and the domain is the the territory that he rules over. And just like Dave said, what does God rule over? Everything, even our wills, right? God rules over our wills. Even though sometimes we try to choose something, and God overrides that. So, uh, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We want things to run here on earth as they do in heaven, don't we? Why do things not run on earth as they do in heaven? All right, Michael said the devil's here. All right, well, that is true. But in a sense, the devil was bound when Christ died on the cross, right? Why is it that uh, things don't run on earth as they do in heaven? Because of sin. Sin, all right. And where is sin most mostly present? In me and you, all right? So the re- reason that God's uh, kingdom is not uh, in its full persuasion here is because sin still has an effect on us. And there's parts of you and I who are constantly in willful rebellion to the king. So we pray and ask God to change our hearts so that what he wills is what we will. Right? Your will be done on earth. So in saying that and praying that, what I'm confessing to God is there's things in my will that are not his will. Would everybody agree with that? Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself struggling with God's will in your life? Sometimes it's hard to even, you're trying to do the right thing and you're all worried about, you know, because the more you grow in Christ, the more you feel guilty of your sins and you ask confession. But sometimes I feel like it's hard to know in my life what God's will is. Okay. As I, as I grow further, like when I first started, it was pretty easy to know that it's not what I was doing. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Lord made up a point that sometimes it's hard for us to know what God's will is. Why is that? Well, he's he's far far more intellectually superior than we are. Okay, that is everything that he knows. That is true. But we we still have a a sinful nature. Okay, but how do we know His will? To read the Bible. Because God is a future, past, present. He got His future, past, present. No doubt about that. And what did they say? How do we know the will of God? Through his word. So, Lori, what is one of the reasons why we have misunderstandings or doubts about God's will in our lives? Because we have misunderstanding and doubts about God's word. We have questions, don't we? You always tell me that. I have a question. Right? And we all do. And we all should. It's also the aspect that sometimes we're not out to do God's will. Okay. Sometimes we know what God's word said and we just simply don't care. Yeah, disobedience, that's very true. So can you understand one of the reasons why when we pray and we say, your will be done, there's a recognition that, okay, God, there's areas in my life where your will is not being done. Change my heart, change my attitude, change me into the person who is constantly seeking and striving to do your will, who knows your will, help me to understand your will, and help me to be willing to do it, right? That's a part that should be a part of our prayer. All right, what about, uh, do you think that we can pray towards the world around us working towards God's will? Like, in other words, we want to see things, we, we would love to see our government do the right thing. Are these areas that we should be praying? Should we be praying for God to change the hearts of 
Yes. Our rulers and leaders? Yes. Yeah. And in doing so, would his will be done? His will will be done. Okay. Can anybody in here think of times when man's will and God's will were in conflict and yet God's will still was being done? Even though a person was being rebellious and not doing what they were supposed to do, God's will was still being done. The story in the Bible where um, he told, what's his name, to go to the other side of the, and he disobeyed God. God made a will, ate him up. Okay. Jonah was refusing to do God's will. What was God's will for Jonah to do? Go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh and share the gospel with people, right? Share the truth of God with people. And what did Jonah do? He went the opposite way. So was he doing God's will? No. But in God's complete sovereignty and in God's plan, God took the rebellion of Jonah and got a whale and said, Nope, you will go to Nineveh and you will preach. Which also, he, he used that situation to show us another one of his miracles in his, in his Bible. Okay. The miracle of what? The miracle... It was a miracle that a whale would swallow a man and bring him and spit him out of the shore of Nineveh. Yeah, yeah. It points us also to the resurrection of it. Because Jesus said in the same way that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, even so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. Yeah. Right? So, God's will can be done even when man's will is opposed to God. God can take the contrary wills of men and use it for his good for our good and his glory. I said the best one is Saul. Saul? What you he mean? He was, um, the, well, well, his name is Paul, but he, I guess the name got changed to Paul. Um, he was going to persecute the Christians he was, on the Damascus Road. And Jesus said, oh, no. Okay. You're, you're, you know who you're trying to kill? You're trying to kill me. Yeah. My people. So God pretty much said, your your will is not going to be done anymore. Your will is going to become my will, right? And Paul's will changed, didn't it? He went from persecuting Christians to proclaiming the Christian message. How about the cross? Is it, it, Does God's will say, thou shalt not kill? Mm-hmm. It certainly did. It does, doesn't it? The Ten Commandments are expressions of God's will. But God took men who were doing the exact opposite of what God wills, which is to kill people and nail Jesus to a cross. Was it God's will that his son die on that cross? Yes. yes. But he was using the contrary wills of men to accomplish his will. So there's nothing in the world wrong with us praying and saying, you will be done in the world around us. But we also need to remember that sometimes when we ask God's will to be done... God's will is always being done in it. Yeah, it's not. It's often not our will. Okay. That was my next point. I was going to say that we pray for him to change the hearts of our leaders, the governors, or whoever, the government, and he doesn't. I mean, that that's an outcome. It continues on as it is, maybe even worsens, and that too is God's will. Okay. Um, how about, that's very true. So we could pray and ask God to... To make our leaders make this a Christian nation again, right? Cut out the nonsense. Right, right. But the reality is, is that this world has never really been a Christian nation. It's been there's been a Christian element to it. The Constitution was written by men who had an appreciation for 
the Bible and for God and, and but still a lot of the things a lot of the laws and things that have been made in this land over the centuries have been for, for profit, for uh for colonization, Isn't for that what the Sadducees did right. as well. Sure. But so we, we need to understand that God does answer our prayers, but sometimes when we ask his will to be done, his will and our will are gonna not see eye to eye. And sometimes when his will is being accomplished in our eyes, it's going to look like in no way is it being accomplished. All right. So I have a, a dear sister in Christ um, who this week uh, found out uh, that well she, she, she passed out in her car and they took her to the hospital. Well, come to find out she had breast cancer about 25 years ago. It's come back and it's eat her up. And the prognosis is not good. Now, she is praying right now. She's asking us to pray that God will perform a miracle and heal her. Can God do that? He certainly can. And should we pray towards that end? We certainly should. But if God's will is for her to succumb to this cancer and die, His will is still being done. And it's for her good and His glory. Now, is that going to be easy for her to see? No, there's not a single one of us in this room who has ever struggled with some kind of addiction or sickness that have enjoyed it and delighted in it. Right. You just can't. It's physically impossible. But everything will be done for God's will and for our good in the end. So the passage in Romans says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now, let me say that again. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So does the Scripture say we know that all good things work together for good? Let me say it again. We know that all things work together for good. Often... You know, I feel like when, it, when I run into a big problem, it's probably in my own doing. Uh, <laughs> and it's because I've tried to go another way rather than go God's way. And it's just, it, and I feel like it's a lesson. Okay, you want to go that way? Sure. Okay. So, when we or someone that we dearly love is laying in a, on a deathbed, it would be super pious and sanctimonious to say, oh, this is working for their good and God's glory. They're hurting. They're hurting. We're hurting. In our sinful nature and in the struggle with sin that we're going through, it's not just easy to just say, oh, this is good. This is a good thing. It's not. But even in the death of a loved one, even in sickness and sorrow in our lives, God's will is being done. And when we're praying that, your will to be done, we need to be able to accept that in our hearts. That God's will is being done, and sometimes it's going to look like it's not. When in reality, through the very things that we are adverse to, God is being glorified the most. Because my friend who is dying with cancer, when she draws her last breath, she will be in her eternal home. Like, 
it's hard for me to delight in that. Well, you'll miss her. Sure, yeah. sure. And 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 she she's been a gift to the church. She's a she sings and she's uh, teaches Sunday school. She plays the piano on Wednesday nights for their prayer meetings. Like she's a, she's a gift to the church. She's aggravating just like I am, right? No, you're not aggravating. But the the point is is that she is a part of the body of Christ. And so why am I bringing this up? Why is this so important? Because when we pray your will be done, we need to understand that it's God's will being done, not ours. Well, we also have to understand that God's will is going to be done whether we don't like it or not. Well, that's very true. So, I mean, you know, get over it. Okay. Right. So let's go Let's go ahead and uh, with that open don't and discussion. Don't be a negative Nelly. Right. So to finish up that discussion, we realize that he's teaching them to pray. And what else does he ask them to pray? Um, on earth, give us this day our daily bread. We're recognizing our need to God for our daily bread, for the things that we need to survive, right? Food, water, coffee. Shelter. Oxygen, shelter, a nice pillow to sleep on, right? Or somewhere to sleep, somewhere warm and dry. Uh you know, when if you ever have to get out and work out in the elements, it's not fun. Working in the rain and in the cold. I was this week, it was raining on us this week, early in the morning. Yeah. And I was out there working in it. And it was uh, brutal. And then I, so it rained all day. Y'all know how dreary it's been this week. Yeah. And then I, you know, I'm sitting there complaining about being wet. I've been tired and I've been wet all day. I get in my car and I start to head home from work. And there's a homeless guy walking down the street with two bags of stuff. It's all soaking wet. He's drenched to no end. And he can barely walk. And he's walking down the sidewalk carrying whatever he possesses in this world. And it was breaking my heart to think that, you know, here I am complaining. This guy don't even have somewhere to go to sleep tonight. That's going to be dry. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have to deal with the wet for a couple of hours, but I'm going to go home and take a shower and get wet and clean again and then put on some dry clothes and get in a dry bed. This guy's going to wind up in somebody's, you know, flower bed or something. Well, they can't be under the bridge anymore because they run them out of there. And that's why he's over here on the side of town. Now. They they run that whole village out. Uh, but so let, let me express to you something else that God has been sharing in my life in the last week um, through through the study of his word and just through a realization about this being appreciative of God supplying the things that we need in our life. Mm. So um, this last week uh, I had to pay eight seven hundred dollars almost eight hundred dollars for new headlight switches in my car they, they my headlight system went out and the only way i could drive was by holding on to the constant brights i had to ride down the road one hand on the, the switch well i went and paid the people the the eight hundred dollars seven hundred dollars and got in the car didn't even check it because they've done work on my car before went to work got out of work cranked my car and the lights didn't work again I'd paid the guy all this money, and it still wasn't working out. I went back to him. He said, oh, yeah, you're going to need this. That switch is burnt out now because this other part of your system is broken. It's going to be another $500. Oh, man. All right, now. All right, so here's the point that I want to get around to, guys. This is the point I want to get around to. Every year I read through the Bible, and I love it. But every year when I get to the book of Job. Something happens to your car. It, it seems like inevitably, not just my car, but the roof will leak or my dog gets sick or, you know, something bad happens. I get an unexpected bill pile on top of my head, all of these things. 
And so there, there's a part of me that I don't want to get that when it comes that time of the year to read through the book of Job, I just want to skip it because I know that this is coming. But this year I opened up the book of Job and I was reading it and I read the first two chapters. Job lost 10 kids his entire life, all of his health, yeah. everything, and yet he was still praising God. And here I am complaining about paying for a headlight. Well, complaining is one thing. The, the point I'm trying to make is this. God has taught me in just the last couple of weeks, it could be worse. Yes. Mm. And seeing that guy on the sidewalk reminded me of that. Here I am complaining about having to be getting wet from having to work in the rain a little bit. This guy's going to have to, yeah, this guy's going to sleep in the rain tonight. And so when we're praying and we're asking for God's will to be done, we need to sometimes realize that God's will might be contrary to ours. There's a good possibility that could happen. And not only that, but as I pray and ask Him to supply my daily bread, He's doing it in ways that I don't even think about or appreciate. And so a part of my prayer life needs to not only be, God, will you give me the things that I need, but how about this one? God, will you make me thankful for the needs that you have provided? So, Ronnie, when you read your Bible through the year, do you read it from cover to cover? Yeah, they're different. We use different tech, different. Um, patterns every year. We do different ways. This year, the reading we're using is reading the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice, and the Psalms twice. Sometimes we read a chronological, and there's just there's all kind of different. So when you read the Old Testament, you start in Genesis. And... Yep, that's how we're reading it this year. We're reading it Genesis to to Malachi, and that's spread out over one year. Okay. And then each day we read from the New Testament and the Psalms. And so by the end of the year, you read the New Testament twice, the Psalms twice, and the Old Testament one. That's just the pattern we're using this year. But there's all kind of, there, if you want a daily reading plan, you can go, there's thousands of them. I have one, but you're skipping all around. I'm wondering, is it, it, is it good to read it from cover to cover? Yes. And is it good to read it skipping around? Yes. Okay. I'm reading four different stories every day. <coughs> Matter of fact, um, my mom is reading this plan with us this year, and she called me on Gen- the first day. She always gets excited at the very beginning of the year, like everybody does when they do a reading plan. But the first reading was Genesis 1 and Acts 1. And I think it was Esther 1 and I forget what the other was. But there was a there was a concurrent theme in all four of those, and it was not intended by the guy that designed the plan. The creation of the creation and the creation of the church and Acts are both there together, and there was a theme in that, that God is at work in both in creation and building his church. And so when you skip around and read different things, remember all of the scriptures are God's words to us, and so they're all going to have a harmony and a, what, what is the word I'm looking for? It's a fancy word like symbol. Symbolism, symbiosis, or like symbiosis. Yeah, they 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 harmonize. It's all one big story. All right. So now let's get to prayer because we've we definitely burnt some time up already. All right. So last week when we were together, we started on this catechism. I've given all of you a copy of it. A catechism is simply a way to teach people by asking questions and then answering those questions. My papist friend down here, Michael, he's done catechisms in the Catholic Church, right? You did that when you was a kid. And if you went to a Catholic school, some uh, nun would wrap you on the hand with a ruler if you didn't get the question right. 
All right. Well, I'm not going to wrap you on the hand with a ruler. But, but it says this. It, uh, we did the first question and we got into the second question last time. So today we'll start with the third one. But let's review those other two. The first question, question 134, said, why is prayer necessary for Christians? All right. Let's uh, read that. It says, because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us, and also because God gives us his grace and Holy Spirit to those who with sincere groanings ask him continually of him and give him thanks for them. All right. And then the reference passages were Psalms 50, 15, Matthew 7, 7 through 8, and Luke 11, 9 through 13. So why is prayer necessary? What would the answer be? Because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us. So why is prayer necessary? Because it's one of our ways to express our thanks to God. And not only that, because God gives his grace and spirit to those who sincerely ask him for it. Okay. Question. The second question was, what is required for our prayers to please God and to be heard by Him? All right. The first thing it says is that we ask of the only true God, who was manifested Himself in His Word, all things which He has commanded to be asked. This is to be done with true affection and desire of our hearts. As well, we are, though an inward feeling of our need and misery, to cast ourselves prostrate in the presence of his divine majesty and build ourselves on the sure foundation that we, though unworthy, yet for Christ's sake, are certainly heard by God. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot to say. But if you'll notice, it's divided into the alphabet. You see that A through E there? What is A? What is required for our prayers to be heard by God? A says... That all things which he commanded are to be asked to him. So our prayers need to be according to his commands, according to his words. All right. So if I were to pray to God, oh, God, that girl is very pretty. And even though she has on a wedding ring, I would like for you to get her to divorce her husband so she can marry me. Right. Is is that a prayer? Right. Mm -hmm. No, because God says thou shalt not commit. Adultery, and I've already committed adultery by wanting another man's wife. Does that make sense? My prayers need to be according to his commands. Right. I think about this. I'm playing in a card game, right? And I got a good hand. Oh, God, let me win this pot. I lay my cards down, and the guy across the table has a better hand than me. God didn't answer that prayer, did he? But one of the reasons he did now one of the reasons he didn't answer that prayer is because I used to love to play cards. I I really did love to play cards. But did you know that gambling is wrong in the sense that number one, if I'm playing poker, did you know that I have to bear a false witness? You bluff. That's bearing a false witness. Is that a lie? What am I wanting? What am I wanting in playing cards for money? You want wanting somebody else's I'm coveting other people's property. If you're just playing for fun, yeah. well then don't worry about it. Okay. Well, not you're not going to pray about winning the hand. if, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's only when there's some money on the line that you're going to, oh God. Yeah, yeah. there's some Monopoly games I've seen that have turned into some fist blows too. But Okay, <laughs> do you understand what it means when it says pray according to his command, yes. according, according to his, his word? All right. So, that's one of the things that I can filter my prayers through as I'm praying. Is this something that God commands? So asking him to help me please him yep. is good. Good. All right. B, 
is to be done with true and affectionate desires of the heart. All right? Am I the only one in this room that tries to pray right before I go to bed? I do. Yeah. How does it turn out usually? With me petting the dog on the belly or me falling asleep. Yeah, my cat. Yeah, right. Or the cat coming up and smacking me in the nose with right, his paw. Right, right, That's usually how that prayer goes. Yeah. All right. You're right. Would you say that my affectionate desires and heart is in that prayer? Starts out that way, but it doesn't end up that way. Okay. Because that's why you're getting on your knees in the first place. How many of you have ever had some really bad news come through a lab report? Yeah. All right. Did you pray? Mm-hmm. Was there desire and affection and the heart involved in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't it funny that we truly have to come to the end of self before we're ready to pray with our desires and with our, with our heart, heart affection, with our true heart? Isn't it funny that I have to get down to my last $10 in my account before I start praying to God to help me to be better with my finances? You know what I mean? Like, think about that. Well, so, thought, uh, we were down the last 20. there you go. There you go. So, look at A again. Our prayers need to be according to his commands, according to his words. B, our prayers need to be done with affection and desire of the heart. C, it says, as well, though an inward feeling of our need and misery to cast ourselves prostrate in the presence of his divine majesty. Now, that goes into that prayer I was just saying when we get bad test result, medical test results back. There has to be an understanding that he is the answer to the prayer and he is the one that supplies the answer to the prayer and I am in need of his supply. Can somebody else help me explain that? What am I meaning when I say or when the when the answer says that we are through an inward feeling of our need and misery to cast ourselves prostrate in the presence of his divine majesty? What does that mean? You go to the master. Acceptance. Okay. It's an acceptance that you're really kind of worse. Good. He brought you in this world. He's taking you out and everything that happens in between. Okay. Very good. Now, what part of the Lord's prayer would infer this? That will be done. Okay. On earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Why do so in... What part of the Lord's prayer would infer that God is the majesty and I am the one in need? Our Father, who art in hell, hell yeah. hallowed be thy name. Right. He's the majesty and we are prostrate before him. Thy kingdom come. Right at the beginning. All right. Good. All right. Now, let's look at D. And build ourselves on the sure foundation that we, though unworthy, yet for Christ's sake are certainly heard by God. We do not deserve the blessings and the answers to our prayers. Uh, the blessings and answers to our prayers are, there, are an expression of God's what? Grace. What is grace? Come on, somebody give me the bo- Sunday school answer. There you go. Our unmerited favor. <clears throat> what does that unmerited mean? We don't deserve it and we did not earn it. All right? So. Yeah. Why do we do that? Yet for Christ's sake, we are certainly heard by God. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
That's what he prayed. When they were nailed, when they had him nailed to a tree, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Are Think about that. Is that rebellious that we only pray when we have problems? That is a rebellion. Yes. We never just because what? How often are we supposed to pray according to the Bible? That pray without ceasing. Okay. Like it, our whole life should be a walking conversation with God. Now, is it? In all honesty, is any no, of our lives no. a walking conversation? No. When I have started trying to say, God, just be with me. Just Good. Be here with me. Good. Just walk with me. Yeah. And of course, in 10 minutes, I forgot him. Right. I, for me, I find that it's a lot easier to pray, pray like on the way to work in the morning, riding down the road, as opposed to setting apart a time at home to get alone by myself without my cat and dog where I can be quiet and be still before the Lord. Like, I, I find it a lot easier to do it in my daily walk than to set aside some time and prostrate myself before Him. And I think that even that in that is a rebellious attitude. It's like, okay, God, I got a few minutes here now. Like, let I'm me fit you in. Yeah, let me fit you in here in my schedule. Mm, I don't have a lot of minutes. I get what you're saying. But He gives you every one of them. He does. Yeah, all right, good. All right, so... Again, the answer to this question is a mouthful, isn't it? But you see how it's been divided down for you into these smaller answers? And then if you'll notice, the Bible verses that go along with it are each one in accord to that answer. See? So I want you to take this home and go back and look at your Bible verses on your own and read these references. Because this guy's not just answering this just based on how he feels. He's using the Scriptures as his foundation for reason. Okay? All right, and then it says in E, even as he has promised us in his word. So the answer to our prayers are a promise from God, and God does not break his promises. So what do we do? We pray. All right, so we've answered why is prayer necessary. We've answered what is required for our prayers to please God. Now we will answer the question, what are those things which God commands us to ask of him? What's the answer say? Somebody want to read that out loud for? You don't know, 135? 136. What are the things which God commands us to ask of Him? All right, nobody wants to read it, I will. All things necessary for both soul and body which our Lord Jesus Christ has comprised in the prayer He taught us. You dropped those. All right? All things necessary for both body and soul. We are both a fleshly person, right? And a spiritual person. We have physical needs. What would be a physical need? Oxygen. Food. Food. Water. water shelter. We have spiritual needs as well, don't we? <coughs> and so what are we supposed to ask of God? What, what does he command us to ask of him? Everything that we need. Which one of the Lord's... Which one of those uh, phrases in the Lord's prayer would apply? this apply to? Give us this day our daily bread. All right? So you see what we're praying for when we ask God for our daily bread? All things necessary for the soul and the body, which our Lord Jesus Christ has comprised in the prayer that he taught us. Now, what is that prayer that he taught us? Now, this should be easy because this was our text for today. What prayer are we talking about here? The our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, and so we call, uh, that's the the proper title for it is the Lord's Prayer. 
And what did we say we would call it? The Apostles' Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer, right? A Disciples' Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, if you were, it would be John 17. That's, that's his high priestly prayer that he prayed to his father right before he went to the cross. But it's called the Lord's Prayer because it's a prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. This is the manner in which you should pray, is what he said. All right? So we've answered, we're getting all down to the list here now. Um, question 138. Are Christian tied to this very form of prayer? We are not. Right? What is he asking there when he says, are we tied to this form of prayer? But that's the only way we can pray. Do we do it by rote? Okay, rote. Do I need to pray every day by memory? Is there is there anything wrong? So I know at in Independent Press, I know at least on Sunday night, y'all repeat the Lord's Prayer, right? Is it the night service? Y'all do it in the morning service too? Just in the morning. We do the Ten Commandments tonight. Okay, Ten Commandments tonight, Lord's Prayer during the day. <clears throat> is there anything improper or contrary uh, to to uh, God's prescribed order of worship that says we can't pray that prayer, our Father who art in heaven. No. no. So. Probably good practice to do it from time to time. Keep okay. And- yes. But if that's the only prayer that we pray right. in the worship service, there's probably a problem with it. Why? Because it's gone from being a Model of no. prayer to the prayer. Yeah, it's a something you just okay, good. Out. Well, he says well, no, you, Christ even says it right there in verse nine. In this way, pray in in this, in this way. manner, yes. in this way. Yep. Like ask for these things. These are the things that you include in your prayer. Good. All right. So let's see the answer to our question. We are not, Lori. You you cheated. You read ahead. That's good. I'm glad you did. <laughs> our Lord here delivers to His church. A brief summary of those things which we are to ask of God. Christ will have us also to ask for special things or particular benefits. The form prescribed is nothing else but a set of headings or general categories wherein all the benefits, both bodily and spiritually, are implied. But all particulars of prayer must agree and correspond with their general form, with this general form. We are not tied to this form. Form. As appears from James 1.5, where the apostle exhorts the saints, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask of God who gives all things liberally. Though these words are not in the form of a prayer, particularly expressed in the Lord's Prayer, they are implied. Besides, we have examples of prayer both in the Old and New Testament which are not of this form. Though all they asked was comprehended in this prayer. Therefore, the form of prayer delivered to us by Christ is a thing indifferent. So what does that mean? It means that there's examples of prayer in the Old Testament, right? Mary's magnificent, right? But what about folks that like hold a conversation, like as you're walking at your morning walk or walking through the woods and hold a conversation with God and, and thank Him for things that He has granted us? Is there a special form that we need to use or can we have that closeness with Christ? Right? Anybody else want to help answer that for Lori? Anybody? Say it again. Having a conversation. Say uh, you take a little time or you take a walk in the woods, which I enjoy doing. I don't get much time for it. But have a conversation with Christ. Thank Him for the things He's provided. Like even just 
walking through the back gate of, and, and seeing the water and thanking him for providing us. Should there be anything wrong with that? To have a conversation and, and not have any particular form to it. Is that I would okay? think that would be perfectly fine. You should probably always be in prayer. Right. You know? So, is there times when I can pray and not pray all of the very exact things that God put well, gave us in me. the Lord's Prayer? I th- how about this prayer? Lord, help me. Peter was drowning. And he prayed, Lord, save me. Shorten to the point. It was shortened to the point. It was necessary. He recognized his need in God's supply. Right? But he didn't pray for his... Well, he, I guess he kind of did pray for his daily bread, didn't he? Because daily bread would be oxygen to breathe. And he needed it. So... The point being is, what what that question is saying is, do I have to pray this prayer and only this prayer? Is this the only proper prayer to play? pray? Yeah, the context, too, is back in verse 7 where he's telling them, don't do meaningless repetition. Yeah. And, and babble, basically. Don't, he says in verse 7, when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition that the Gentiles do, right? Because they didn't have any form to anything. They weren't, they weren't really talking to God and asking God for anything. It was... They just, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. They wanted to sound holy. Right. right. So, good. So, when I was a kid, and I used to uh, stay at my grandparents' house, and me and my sister and my cousin would always fight to get to see who got to sleep with Granddaddy. But before we go to sleep at night, Granddaddy would teach us, he taught us a prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It's a good prayer? Mm-hmm. That's what I do for my son. Okay. Alright. Now, if I'm still praying that exact prayer now at 53 years old, there's probably a problem. Yeah. But what was my granddad doing in teaching us that teaching prayer? Teaching you to pray. To teaching us to pray. And, to, and there's some things in that prayer that are important. God is the one that's in charge of our souls. He owns our soul. Yeah. And if I die before I wake, I pray God my soul to keep. Your prayer life, I guess, as a grown Christianity, huh? Comforting yeah. Sure, but but the if point complete, the point is not the form, but the the practice the practice behind it, and not only that, but the emphasis on the importance of relying on God. So. If Lori's walking around in the woods talking with God and praying, like her neighbor might think she's kind of wackadoo. She might, he might think she's out there talking care. to the birds. The <laughs> point being is, is Lori aware of her need for constant prayer? Yes. Is she expressing that by asking God or talking to God? Yeah, she certainly is. So there's nothing in the world wrong with that. Well, it was the same thing when we teach a blessing. Like we still have Eleanor do it. Like you need to learn this. And so it was when she was little, it was very, very simple. But as she got older, you know, you need to think about it more and pray for those things and, and be, be understand why you're asking the things. Okay. All right. Um, let's use the example of the catechism that we're doing today. I know a lot of people that are adverse to creeds and catechisms. Like they would say, no, you can't do that. That just that just makes people robots. Like you're just teaching them to be robots. The reality is, is these questions are an attempt by the author to summarize and consolidate a lot of questions that we have about prayer. 
And so what is he doing? He's taking a bunch of questions that have been asked about prayer in the past, putting them into the form of a concrete question, and then taking biblical text and substantiating the answers. Giving us and substantiating these answers. And overall, prayer prepares us to, to be part of the body of Christ. Sure. And prepares us with, so, to be able to live in heaven with God. So here's the thing. I could have come in here today and not used the catechism, and we could have sat around and had a an hour-long discussion about the first question that I asked. And we would have probably come to some conclusions. And we'd have used some scripture to substantiate our conclusions. But this form was given to us so that we could summarize and understand it in a quick and succinct manner. It's the same thing with the Lord's Prayer. It's it's a form and a structure behind it. It is the Word of God. And there's nothing in the world wrong with repeating and memorizing it. Hiding it in your heart so that you will not sin against Him. But if the form is all we have and there's no heart behind it, then we just have dead orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. If there's no form, then you, have chaos. then you just have pandemonium. You have charismania, right? You just have people just babbling anything. Very uplifting is when uh, Nancy Borg has drilled the, the uh, children in the catechism, you know? And then she asks them the questions. And these little mouths are saying things you think. Yeah. How can they do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I, I, and I, I grew up in independent fundamental circle. We would have never use. They would have never used a catechism. Like they'd give you glue and and cotton balls to make little sheet with at Sunday school, but they would have never catechized kids like that. And I think it's an amazing thing. Like it's beautiful to hear those kids because it forces those kids at an early. Kids are way smarter than we ever give them credit for. Like you know, they, they can grasp deep theological stuff uh, in in ways that we don't even realize they're grasping it. God is using His Word to work even in the hearts of those children. I noticed uh, last Sunday when we went to church, there was a little girl over on the other side. She was probably four years old. And she was singing. I, mean, I was going along in the book with her. I mean, she was, you know, sure. word for yeah. word. Yeah, you know? no doubt. All right, I, I think we have enough time to get one more question out of the way. And then next week, I promise we're going to do our best to finish this. I, I figured it was going to take us about three weeks to do it. So... Um, and my goal was to make sure I got it done before we I finished my month of teaching here in February. So I think next week we should be able to finish. Let's look at this last question. Question 139. Why does Christ teach us to call God our Father at the beginning of this prayer? Why does Christ teach us to call God our Father? Because He is the Creator. All right. Because He is our Father? He is our Father. We're sons of God. All right. The answer is that he might stir up in us such a reverence and confidence in God as is proper for the sons of God. Alright? So Michael nailed it on the head. Why should why is Christ teaching us to address him as Father? Because we are his sons by adoption. We are his sons. And so he is our Father. This must be the ground and foundation of our prayer. That is that God through Christ is made our Father. And will much less deny us these things which we ask of him with a true faith than our earthly parents deny us earthly things. All right, so Matt brought some of this up last time we were together. He was talking about how he always wants his daughter to feel comfortable coming to her father uh, with her needs. 
Mm-hmm. Y'all remember we were talking about that last time we were together. And and Jesus talks about it when he said what? He said, which of you, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, is going to give you a rock? Or which one of you, if your dad ask, you ask your dad for a, a piece of fish, is going to give you a poisonous serpent? And if you, being evil, know how to do good things for your kids, with all, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is all good, do for those who his children who ask him? So, the question was, why does Christ teach? We're going to go through these backwards real quick, just to summarize. Why does Christ teach us to call God our Father at the beginning of the prayer? Why does He do that, Lori? So we can depend on Him and trust Him and love Him. All right. So, and not only that, to bring a reverence to our hearts that we are His children, that He loved us enough to reach down in a world full of undeserving that's, that's one of the most, wickedness and uh, um, brought us into His family. Compassionate or or warm things to do, you know. You could call him all powerful, glorful king, and all these kind of things. You could say all these things, but there's a there's a wall there. There's not right. supposed to be, in my opinion, a wall between us. Yes, he's God. He's he's the maker of the universe. He can strike us down in a heartbeat. But the thing is, the love between you and your father is the, is the point. And it's to, well, and there's a privilege there. Yeah. That only his children are allowed to call him that. Right, that's what Christ did. He restored that father-son, father-child relationship. Right, he did. All right, um, back through the other questions we went through today, just real fast, and then we're done. Um, it, the other question was, um, are Christians tied to this form of prayer? Are we tied to this form of prayer? No. Okay. What prayer is it that we're talking about here? The Lord's Prayer. All right, and verse one and one question one thirty six. What are those things which God command us to ask of Him? All things necessary for our body and soul, which Christ has comprised in the prayer He taught us. Okay, and then what is required of our prayers to please God? They have to be things commanded by Him. They have to be done with true affection and desire of the heart. They have to come from an inward feeling of need and misery. Um. We are to build ourselves on the sure foundation that though we're unworthy, Christ, uh, for Christ's sake, we are heard by God. And even as He promised, and all of these things that He has promised us in His Word, if we'll come to Him and ask. And then the first question was, why is prayer necessary? Because it's the chief expression of thankfulness that God requires, and because God gives grace and His Holy Spirit to those who groaning ask Him continually. All right. Okay, so next time we're together, please save these uh, handouts. Next time we're together, we'll finish this up. We're going to be on 140 next time, right? Uh, yep, we'll be on 140 next time. So let's close with a word of prayer. Um, thank you, Father, for giving us the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for giving us the privilege of being able to come to you as children uh, through your salvation. Thank you, uh, Jesus, for being willing to, to abide with us and intercede for us and to help us. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for the for for being there for us, for interceding for us with groanings that we can't even grasp. <clears throat> and so, Lord, I pray that each person here in this room, myself included, will continue to grow in our realization of our need for prayer. That you will empower us to pray properly. That you will give us the willingness and desire to pray properly, and that you will help us to see our prayers answered uh, in spirit and truth. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.